listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. You're all dressed up. Oh. Hello, Bob. Oh, sorry. Oh, are you stuffing cash in envelopes? I'm Is sorry. A bad I, imitation I, I, of, of Bob Menendez? I'm sorry. The, um, I'm sorry you interrupted me. The, you know, since we announced that that we're ending the podcast, these people uh-huh. have been sending me large sums of money. Really? To, you know? Yeah, to try to induce me to, you know, I don't know. That's some touching. more or something, but it's very touching. They love Bob, you, Mickey. But you know what? They love you. What? You know what? This is about forty dollars. You see this football, this baseball stadium. I see a picture of a baseball stadium. Yes. How many people yes. do you think are in that stadium that day? Huh? Well, I can't. I, I would guess fifty thousand on a, if it's full. I don't 56, know. Fifty-six thousand, Bob. Mm-hmm. Just telling you. This, this, now this, it's my this, job this, to put these to connect these two dots. These, these forty, this, this forty-five dollars that I got stuffed in the envelope here. Uh, yeah, it, it will not do the job. You know. Wait, forty-seven. Sorry, uh, Mickey. There's so, something missing in your your uh, otherwise linear sequence of thought. Here. There's a what? famous scene in the there's a famous scene in the movie Great McGinty where a politician, I think played by Akim Tamarov, uh is asking is wants to be receptive to a bribe, but he doesn't want to come right out and say it. Uh-huh. So he points to a picture of Fenway Park and says, A lot of people at the ballpark that day. How many think were there? And the guy who wants to bribe him goes, Twenty thousand? <laughs> he goes, No, forty thousand in the park that day. Uh, so, so this I is was, a Menendez reference. It's a Menendez reference. Your friend Menendez, aren't you happy? He's my been friend indicted? Bob Menendez couldn't happen to a nicer guy, Mickey. So, yeah, he's been indicted. Uh, on the other hand, he was indicted before, and they didn't nail him. But this sounds a little more substantial, right? Uh, he's he's this Democratic senator, chair of the Foreign Relations Committee. Is that right? Yes, uh, adamant. Uh, Defender of sanctions against Cuba, animate pusher of immigration amnesty. He's one of the original Gang of Eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pushes it with great self righteousness, and uh, I believe he's a probably a major backer of Ukraine, right? Oh, no doubt. Uh, but he's also more than many people realize. Uh, he is uh, bears some responsibility for the fact that the Iran nuclear deal did not get restored. By the Biden administration. I mean, the administration itself is somewhat uh, complicit, but he used his power uh, as uh, foreign relations chairman to uh, to make it hard. And uh, that's the kind of guy he is. So I. I, uh, I OK, well. Yeah. He was, the, you know, um, he was getting gold. Was he getting allegedly getting like gold bricks? Gold bars, yeah. I I don't yeah. quite. I couldn't figure out how much they were worth. I don't think they're worth as much as we expect. He also he also got a use of a luxury car, Bob, which was only a C class Mercedes, not the best Mercedes. Mm. In fact, the he should have held out Mercedes, for more. He should have held out for the E class, absolutely. Yeah, the S class would have been too ostentatious. That's the big one, but the E class would have been right. Yeah. You know. In in New Jersey, cars are cheap. What can I say? So, uh, yeah, I mean, also, let's face it, in New Jersey, that's where he's from. And corruption is just a hard habit to break. There's a lot of he it was, around. He there. was famously corrupt. He had a terrible reputation. If you remember the the most infamous, infamous man in journalism, Charles Johnson, remember him? He's the redheaded crazy guy. Wait, for do, a- do we use journalism to describe what he did? That guy? Well, he, 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 um, Said he had a website Menend- or He worked for Daily. He wrote for Daily Caller, and he oh, said he? that uh, he, mm, you know they I bought his the piece. They mm-hmm. bought his piece, and they uh, he said that Menendez had traveled to uh, was it the Dominican Republic, Virgin Islands? I forget somewhere in search of underage women. And uh, they, Menendez produced a defense saying the women were not underage, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, he pretty much 
But 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 uh, this did point the finger at one of Menendez's buddies, a doctor in Florida who scammed the Medicare system, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and so he was indicted for taking. Uh, helping that guy out and taking goodies from him. And so that was the direct result of, of irresponsible Charles Johnson's reporting. So it had a good result, but he got acquitted. Uh, so this is the second bite of the apple. But um, I, I think Charles Johnson did his work. He pointed the finger. My my regard for him is rising even as we speak. So well, you he's think been Menendez through, will get he, nailed? He's been through a lot of changes since then. I have the faintest idea what he's doing now. He may even be a liberal by now. What do I know? So do you um, think Menendez could be forced to resign or something? Well, I think that's the, the logic of indicting him, if you're a Democrat, is indict him now, get him to resign, and then you have a chance of holding the seat, or a better chance of holding the seat. Uh, that's and the, you're so that's, cynical as, as to think that such calculations came into play? Well, I think I think Maggie Haberman's Twitter feed sort of implied as much, uh, but uh, the, why the Democrats would not be upset, let's put it that way. Uh, at this indictment as as upset as they would be if he was indicted next year. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know who the other candidates are. Also, he might still be the strongest candidate. You know, he might people might tolerate a C-class Mercedes at a few gold bars. You know, mm-hmm. I would, I mean, you know, he's I mean, the same with Biden. I mean, if 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 it may be, you know, so what? He, so he has a DuPont mansion and a Corvette. I mean, you know, I mean, he's not living that large. Well, so I certainly could- I, I'd love to see uh, Menendez resign because whoever succeeded him and I haven't looked at the line of succession for the Foreign Relations Committee, but it would be someone preferable to him. I guarantee it. Speaking of randomly choosing people who would be better than the incumbent. Oh, that was a that was masterful. That segue. I think scholars will be studying I that for should, decades. You should stop and congratulate. Thank you, Mickey. Thank you. Thank all of you. You're beautiful. Anyway, uh, you know, this is, I just, you know, the guy who does uh, Young Turks, is does he pronounce his first name Sink? Jink? I think it's Jink. Jink. You know the I guy. I actually met him played- at, a, at a party you helped kind of organize for uh, my book long ago at Peter Blake's uh, apartment. Speaking of which, I hear you were at a, at a, at a book party that we'll get to either here in the, or in the parrot room. Um, but I digress. Let me get back to this. Why? Why only one, Bob? Why only one? What? Book party. You went to two last night. No, I went to one last. Night. I went to mm-hmm. Frank Forrest before. I oh, danced right. at all the. I danced at all the weddings, as Leon Weaseltier would say. And I'm sure Leon was at the one last night, but we'll discuss that later. What I want to say now is, Jink said something. Uh, almost exactly like he was on, I forget what show he was on, but almost exactly like something uh, that I said to you a week or two ago. Here's the quote. Do a lottery of the Democratic governors. Pick one out of a hat. Run that person. And you'll be infinitely better off than if you run Joe Biden. Well, I I was, I, I was looking at the polls uh, on the Biden-Trump race and they're, they look very bleak for Biden. Uh, Trump is like ahead by half a percent or so on in the real clear politics average. Yeah. Uh, but it's basically tied. Uh, you would think that a tie goes to Trump because of the Electoral College advantage. Mm-hmm. But in fact, as Ryan Jurdusky points out, he's picking Trump is picking up a lot of votes among minorities. The famous fabled shift of minorities to Trump, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from 10 percent to 20 percent. Not a lot. Not he's getting not winning the minorities, but he's getting more than before, but that's in the non-swing states. So he is pumping up his total in California and New York. Uh, that's not going to help him win the Electoral College. So I'm not sure that Trump's Electoral College is uh, advantage is still there. But I was just resigning myself to, uh, to uh, a Trump presidency. I mean, I was just, you know, mentally figuring out, okay, we can survive this. How can we make sure that he doesn't, you know, do permanent damage to the to the country with his craziness. Might even do some good. Uh, and uh, and then I saw this poll from New Hampshire, where Biden is trouncing him, fifty to thirty eight, a decisive lead. Trump is just and that's that's a semi swing state, it's not a total swing state. Biden won it last time, but not by a lot. 
But that's a huge difference from the yeah, other it's polls. One poll, and it, it's one poll in a small state. I don't know. Well, but, you know, uh, it, 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 it may be an outlier. It may be completely wrong. But uh, I'm beginning to think that, it, uh, that they're, uh, you know, hope may not be gone for Biden. What can I say? Yeah, it's not that hope is gone. It's that it shouldn't be close, okay? Trump is a, an inherently vulnerable candidate. It shouldn't be Oh, close. it should be close. The, the more I think about it, the more nostalgia for the good economy in the Trump years. Uh, started under Biden, but three of the four great years were under Trump, ending Start, in 2019. Started uh, under Obama. Th- right, I said started under Obama. Didn't I? Kind of. I said. Kind of. I, I think you, I you said you said a word related to Obama, but go ahead. I meant Obama. Whatever I agree. I said. Anyway, I agree. Uh, uh, that's a powerful factor. People's lives were better. Are you better off in 2019 than you are today? You were probably by the by the uh, you know by some of the income stats you were about the same. Maybe you're a little worse now under the wage stats. You're a little better. But there you were 2019, you were in a good level and you were going up. Now yeah, but Trump is Trump. Nobody's, nobody's really certain. But Trump well, that's is what, Trump. That's why it's He's close. an obvious, he's, 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 <laughs> he's a monster who, who was part of an insurrection. I mean, well, that's, you know, that's the other it side, Bob. Be hard. It just shouldn't be hard. That's, and, the, that's and, the other side. If, if, if Trump weren't a monster, he would win easily. Well, yeah. But he's a monster, so it's close. You got the good life in 2019 versus the monster. It's close close because he's running against Biden. Now, now you know these people better than I. I've got before me a list of Democratic governors. We can try out Jenks' thesis. Uh, And maybe it won't fare so well. I'm going in alphabetical uh, order. Arizona, Katie Hobbs. Does she beat Trump? No. California, Gavin Newsom. He might, even though you don't like him. He might. He might, unfortunately. Yeah. Colorado, Jared Polis, P-O-L-I-S. He looks like a nice guy. I'd he, vote might, for him. He, he might be. He's gay. He might beat Trump. He might not or might? I guess he might or he might He would not. beat Trump if he wasn't gay, but there might still be prejudice against gay people. You know? Yeah. Ned Dating Lamont fast, of Connecticut. Maybe not fast enough. Ned Lamont. He looks a killer. I'd I vote like, for him. I like Ned Lamont, and he's a peacenik, and he's been a great governor. He's popular on both sides. Just is he presidential enough? He's more like he's See, more like the guy who you point. could install as. He's more this like the guy point. you could install as you could install him as vice president and have full confidence that if Biden died, he would be as good as Harry Truman was Mickey, filling the role. Fine, yeah, but but you know the dumping uh, Kamala thing ain't happening. So that I, I guess you were making a different point. But anyway, the um uh. So anyway, he could beat him. And look, my that's my whole point. You said, does he look presidential? You put almost anybody up on a stage next to Trump and they look relatively presidential. That's no, my Trump, point. Ned Lamont might look like Mr. Magoo and Trump would like belittle him. People and, would love and he it. Would, he would he would say he would say perfectly responsible, good things. And he would still look like a beta male next to Trump. Delaware. John Carney. He looks nice. I'd vote for him. Who is he? No, nothing about him. OK, I'd vote for him. Uh, Hawaii, Josh Green. What a nice looking guy. I'd vote for him. Do you know anything about him? Uh, now, now here's somebody no, people. He just, he just, yeah. Hawaii is one of the most liberal states in the union, and he just started a massive housing program. Aside from that, I know nothing about him. Uh, here's somebody that people actually talk about, J.B. Pritzker of Illinois. I don't understand why they talk about him. I mean, wh- where did he come from? Why, why did people all of a sudden talk about him? Oh, he, he was gave co-chair of Hillary's big, campaign. Hmm. What? He gave some big, he gave some big pompous speech uh, about fearing the other and the sources. It was it was incredibly offensive, fearing the other and sort of completely failing to empathize with conservatives. Uh, so, I don't know. Westmore, Maryland. Uh, uh, Mara Healy, she looks wonderful. Westmore's an up and coming black governor, but he just came in. Gretchen Whitmer is the is a is a pundit favorite. Yeah, I know. Tim Waltz. I, I would I would I would like to wait. You know, she's doing a little build back better light in Michigan. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see how that goes before, uh, before I would commit to her. But we don't have time. So yes. Bill Murphy, New Jersey. 
I like him. And I live in New Jersey. Okay, Michelle well, Lujan Grisham of New Mexico. See, these are all women. No, she just, Lujan Grisham just suspended the Second Amendment because she decided to do it because there's an emergency. And she didn't even suspect, expect that it would reduce violence. She just wanted to do, do it to sort of as a demonstration that the Second Amendment could be suspended. It's completely unconstitutional. You can't just go around to provisions of the Constitution and say, sorry, I'm suspending this. Okay, so maybe there's one Democratic governor who wouldn't beat Trump. I don't know. Anyway, I could go on, but I I'm telling you. I think, they're, I think you're vastly overestimating the extent to which people hold Trump's craziness and January 6th against him. They do, but not to the extent that they should or you think they do. I just think when people think back, they just don't think fondly. I mean, except for the hardcore I mean, Trump supporters. And, and like you just I mean, show them an alternative. That doesn't worry them the way Biden logically worries Ima people. Imagine if there hadn't been January 6th and Trump had conceded. He would be winning handily now. However crazy that. he was before then, the January 6th thing is, is, is worth a few percentage points and he would be well ahead. Now, I don't know. Do we have anything else to say about that? I, I, I know I bring it up every time. Sorry, folks. And I'll shut up. Once it's I, impossible, once there's no hope of replacing Biden, I'll fall into line and be a good soldier and say he's the finest American I've ever known. Will you let us know? Will you ring a bell when that happens? Well, I turn to you for that guidance. And nothing. You're nothing the one who's going to tell me when I it's say, too late. Nothing I say. Nothing, well, okay, we'll both ring a bell, but nothing I say uh, will. Uh, nothing I say will be honest after this point. You know, everything I say is partisan from here on out. With me, that that point comes fairly late, like two minutes before election day. Well, I won't say anything untrue. I just will quit saying, okay. could we please replace Joe Biden? Because right. I will be convinced it is too late. That's like your, that's your, like your complaint against me. I, never, I don't say anything is untru untrue, but I don't do attacks on the right you don't, the way you would like me to do. You don't say everything you think is true either. None of us. Who among us does, Mickey? Well, you're not going to be saying everything you think is true either. Uh, name We're something that I think is true that I won't say. Go ahead. Biden is fatally weak and might die, and we might have Kamala Harris as president. You're not going to say that after a specific point in time, which I get to determine of her. Okay, great. Yep. Um, uh, the mystery of the border uh, has uh, deepened as the, uh, as the as well. I have I have something to say that are a little counterintuitive, a little against my position, Bob. A little. That'd be some slack. That'd be some slack here. Okay. Uh, it's Have becoming it. clear. To, it's becoming clear to me. Biden unveiled some new initiative, allegedly to control the flow, the surge of unauthorized migrants. Uh, it basically involves giving four hundred thousand Venezuelans work permits and temporary mm. protected status, which never goes away. So they're here for good. Uh, and how is that going to stop the flow? Other Venezuelans are going to say, "Hey, they got it. I'm going to get it too when I come." I mean, it's insane. Uh, and and the and the Venezuelans that came came without that incentive, and they're still going to keep coming. Uh, it's become completely clear that, uh, you know, there's no, there's no, if you come to the border unauthorized, you will still get in, so everybody's going to keep coming. Uh, it also is becoming increasingly clear to me that uh, there are only pretty much three possible reasons why Biden is doing this. One is he's weak and can't stand up to this tiny group of immigration activists who don't even have much purchase with Democratic voters. Uh, possible. Uh, two is he has a long-range plan to boost the Democratic electorate, since it's highly likely that uh, the new immigrants, with the possible exception of the Venezuelans, actually, but probably with them, too, will vote Democratic. Uh, and so in the long run, he wants the Democrats to have more power. It's, but that's a little long, that's a little too far-sighted if he's going to, if it also costs him the 2024 election. So I'm gravitating toward little Mickey K's explanation, which is, he, he, you know, he doesn't want to stand up to the left and he sees it as a way to help him out with inflation because mm -hmm. uh, the extra labor competes for the jobs that are there and lowers wages and the wage price spiral is something people worry about. Very unfair because it puts all the balance, all the burden on the working poor and none on the other wages in society of people who are affluent. They don't, they're not taking the hit. But the, 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 you know, the unskilled that are competing with this new wave of immigrants are taking the hit. That's like 40% of the labor market, and they bear the burden. So screw the poor, 
shit flows downhill. They're the ones that always get screwed. Um, but it, it might help, and it has some virtues as an inflation fighter that I didn't realize. One is uh, they send remittances abroad. So American workers, when they, when, they, when they work, they spend the money here, boosting inflation in America. The uh, immigrants from Latin America send remittances abroad, boosting the economy in wherever they're from, and not adding extra demand to the economy. So that's uninflationary. Uh, you know, he might, he might like that. That would be pretty uh, clever. It was uh, clever of you yeah. to figure that out. Did you figure that out or did you actually steal that from somebody? I figured that out. Uh, huh. the, um, the, um, uh, the other thing is uh, they, uh, what Biden is really wants to do is he's not stop inflation, mm -hmm. uh, which is costing him, but is not decisive. But he wants to s slow inflation enough so that the Fed, which he doesn't control, doesn't impose a recession to stop inflation. That would kill him. Uh, we're, so getting to, we're getting to triple, triple bank shot territory right, here. It's I a mean, triple bank shot, but it's not insane. Uh, and... Um, uh, I'm just missing that out made. of hand. Proceed to your next. Uh, how many of these are there? Uh, there were four. I go to the bathroom while you continue down this I list. I think they're coming down. I think they're coming down only to two. The okay. counter. The counter. The counter factor is when they hear they 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 bid up rents. So housing inflation. So um, uh, all in all, I think uh, I, I I think it's a it, it it's probably what's motivating him, but it's a Stupid bet if uh, this crisis. You think the inflation is, is motivating him? I doubt that, honestly. I mean, I would guess. I think the fear of the recession. I think the fear of the recession caused by inflation is motivating. Go ahead. Uh, I, I would. I would just be kind of surprised. I mean, first of all, how big an impact on inflation could that have between now and the election? Uh, on the other hand, I'd say the same thing about the long-term incentive effect you don't like, which is encouraging other people to come to the border. I don't know how fast that acts either, but the inflation thing, I, I mean, what well, that about just- That definitely has a lag, but- What about just like old-fashioned coalition politics? Who's he getting pressure from in the Democratic Party on this? Now, Eric Adams, you know, mayor of New York, as of a week or two ago, I thought he was, you know, as you remember, I naively thought he was singing your tune, but actually he's delighted- about this new status for the Venezuelans, right? That's what he wants. He wants them not wandering around the streets. He wants them working in New York, right? Right, but he, he's changed his tune. He's fallen in line, but uh, that oh, doesn't that's, mean so the that's voters a change of heart? Well, he was talking about we have to stop these people from coming in. Now he's talking about we have to give them work permits. Yeah, that's a, that's a well, he was always saying he was both. Saying, he, was always saying, he was always saying both, but I think he's dropped the actually control the borders. Okay. The interesting thing is, the interesting thing is, the New York Times wrote a story saying they're not going to L.A. And they're not apparently. Uh -huh. They, uh, you know, the, the the thing that the liberal press is not emphasizing about these buses that uh, Abbott and DeSantis are sending is, uh, I, think, I don't think DeSantis is really sending a lot, but Abbott is still sending them. They're all voluntary. In other words, they don't go to any place where the migrants don't want to go. So. The migrants are choosing to go to New York. It takes them five days, apparently, to fill a bus to go to L.A. So they're not sending many to L.A. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, the 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 what 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 the what the Abbott needs to do is send some to some swing states. I mean, really cost Biden politically. Biden's going to win New York no matter how many migrants he sends there. Uh, send some migrants to Wisconsin, which is a swing state. Send some migrants to Pennsylvania, which is a, maybe a swing state. Uh, piss off some voters in ways that it will hurt Biden, and then maybe he'll start controlling the border. Uh, that's my advice for Governor Abbott. Abbott is, they are, they're only sending a small fraction of the, of the people that Biden is sending. Biden's sending many more. You know, through NGOs, he's flying 200,000 directly from their countries into the United States without even going through the border. Uh, so he's shipping them all over the country. Uh, uh, so, but Abbott's getting all the publicity. Hmm. Uh, 
See, I think it's just, I just, isn't there this, this sizable constituency of at least elites in the Democratic Party who want Biden to do this? Uh, uh, most of the elites of the Democratic Party do, but, the, but, the, but you know, Biden's supposed to be courting working class voters, and I don't think they appreciate it. Yeah, but remember, the, uh, big, and, the big threat to him right and, now is elites, okay? The, well, and by the way, I, I should say, you know, on that, that note I started on about can we find a way to dump Biden, that is bubbling up, if anything, more and more. It doesn't have much time to keep bubbling, but there was a whole new piece in either the New York Times or the Washington Post. It's definitely out there. He's aware of it. Right now, and oh, what he's got to do is weather the storm for a couple of months, and that's all about pleasing elites. I mean, of course, he'd, he'd rather the polls not turn south, but basically it's an elite coup he has to guard against, right? That's a good point. Um, uh, the elite coup would, would, uh, would hurt him, yes. Uh, same <laughs> yeah. with the, with the, but the same with the border. If the, you know, the New York Times started to write articles critical of Biden's border policy. Hmm. So if the Times turns against him, that, that, could, that is the elite turning against his border policy, uh, and that might push the other way. I, th I think that's when he will give up his border policy when the New York Times starts writing articles, more articles like the Run the Grants Day saying, you know, this thing isn't going to discourage Venezuelan immigrants, it's going to encourage them, okay? It's very rare that they would write something completely counter to the White House's spin, and they did. Uh, so yes, if, if uh, you know, if the New York Times Ed Board calls him to step aside and, you know, and uh, who is a who is who is a reliable Democratic voice? If, I mean, Michelle Goldberg's called it to step aside to years. She's been, she's been saying count. that for years. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't. That doesn't count. Um, uh, if uh, if uh, uh, Charles yeah. Blow urges him to step aside. If, uh, if Maureen Dowd is, is sort of the swing vote here, actually. Yeah, but she's so famous as a contrarian, people would dismiss it. Um, uh, but yeah, I but that's, that's I, a very good point. Here, here, here's my counter analogy, okay? Mm -hmm. Welfare, when we Clinton did welfare reform, everybody said this will cost him in the Democratic Party. Big interest groups, more powerful than the migrant groups in, in the Democratic Party now, hated it. Democratic elites hated it. They wanted, you know, they didn't want to cut welfare. They thought it would drive people into poverty. Moynihan hated it. Uh, it. Almost all the Democratic senators wanted to vote against it. Um, it passed, and everybody said, oh, Clinton's going to be in trouble now at the Democratic convention. He split the party. They're all going to hate him. Nothing happened. It was easy as peasy. He completely, they, they were a total paper tiger, and he, and he uh, sailed the nomination in the presidency. So this is sort of like that. I think, they, yes, some elites wants an open border. A lot of businesses want an open border, which is a factor that probably wasn't present with welfare reform. Powerful. Uh, and uh, but uh, and not many voters want it. The voters well, have the final say. One more thing about these elites. Um, a, I think right now the kinds of elites Biden is most worried about are the actual politicos, you know, the people who could declare they're running or the people who could you know, be part of a cabal that agrees that someone can run and they'll come out, come out and support that person. And, and I, so I don't think it's mainly like the newspapers they're, they're worried about. Although if there's one paper to worry about, it's probably the New York Times. I also think to some extent, imagining that the voice of this one columnist is going to make some big difference is to kind of live in the past. I think that was much truer 20, 30, 40 years ago uh, than it is now. They, they're, they're, there, there are no columnists who were are as important my, as columnists once my, were, because there's so many. My, my hope, my hope is that Biden is living in the past. In other words, you're right. Yeah, well, a he voice is. of a columnist doesn't carry the weight that it might carry weight with Biden, because he's really old and he remembers the old New York Times. Now that's true. That's, I mean, you know, uh, some people. I mean, some young. Uh, people on the left who are very critical of this Saudi uh, deal he's apparently still trying to, Biden's still trying to orchestrate, noted that he chose to call in Tom Friedman to, uh, to, 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 you know, put the trial balloon out there. And uh, they were saying, you know, this just shows he's not in touch with the, the modern, uh, you know, foreign policy constituency and blah, blah, blah. But he's sticking with it. He'll probably get that deal, uh, he, he <laughs> which should, seems amazing. He should. He should have had a TikTok influencer do it. 
Um, the, uh, the deal seems to hinge on the Palestinian issue, and maybe it's all smokescreen on the, on the Saudi side, but they claim they're not going to do it unless there's a, some sort of progress on the Palestinian issue. And, and it, from you, I, apparently Netanyahu is totally cynical about it. He's not going to do anything. So I don't see how they get to a deal. Nobody wants something meaningful done. The Saudis don't want something meaningful done. Saudis want something they can say they did. They don't want to actually help the Palestinians. Nothing okay. good for the Palestinians is going to come from this. No okay, way. But no way. Does, does Netanyahu want to do something that MBS can say is good? Oh, well, MBS would want to do things. Like MBS would love uh, to get Israel to say, okay, we won't annex the West Bank. Now, MBS knows that that's completely meaningless. Uh, that they won't, you know, they'll they'll go back on it whenever they feel like it. A and uh, B, as as I said, I think last week, if you really wanted to play hardball with the Israelis, you'd say you got to s- stop settlements, no more settlements. That would be meaningful, at least in the short term. Um, so anyway, MBS knows that's bullshit, but it's bullshit that that BB would have trouble getting through. Uh, politically, and in fact, interestingly, I think the the, the main thing Tom, I, I I I I'm not sure what Tom's current view uh, of this is, but in his interview with a New Yorker, he sounded like the one thing he liked about the deal is that it could fracture Bibi's coalition. Uh, so he, he likes the way it drives a wedge between, uh, you know, could drive a well, wedge between Bibi and the far right. But or if they want a meaningless pledge on the on annexing the West Bank and and BB can't do it. That's my point. BB can't even. BB cannot push through even the make-believe bullshit. Yeah. Support for the Palestinians, and that that's a stumbling block. So why are you so sure this deal is going to happen? Um. Well, what I mean really is that they'll manage to push it through the American political system, which is mind-blowing to begin with. It's such a stupid idea. But, uh, you know, we're going to well, extend it, a security guarantee to Saudi Arabia. We're going to say we'd go to war for Saudi Arabia. That in itself is crazy. And, and the whole, you know, the whole Abraham Accords thing is is, is corrupt. Um, that this is that well, this uh, basically shores up. But it's yeah, you know, you know who was who was supports the Abraham Accords and was almost triumphalist about their uh, supplanting the Palestinian cause, Bob? Somebody you saw at a book party? Somebody I saw at a book party. Somebody who, who said this in his book. Marty Paris? Uh, Marty, Marty Paris, he, 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 he poses the, uh, uh, an opposition between John Kerry, who apparently gave a speech, seemed somewhat pompous, saying there is no peace possible without addressing the Palestinian issues. Stop disabused yourself of the fantasy that there is. And the brilliant Jared Kushner, who realized, perhaps with some guidance from his friends, that there was this alternative way to make peace with the Arab world that did not involve solving the Palestinian issue, that involved the Abraham Accords. Uh, his, his, uh, Marty's view does not seem crazy and that that is the path we're going down. Wait, the issue is you can do what without solving the Palestinian problem? Uh, have, have Israel have much better relations with the Arab world. Of course, because the Arab leaders I, don't give a shit. The Arab leaders right. don't give a shit about the Palestinians. Yeah, no, that's right. what the Abraham and Accords there, is, is recognition. And there, and there, of the are, other, there are other strategic forces at play, like opposition to Iran. Uh, yeah. That, you know, so. You know. Although, meanwhile, you know. know, China has, you know, helped broker something of a rapprochement between uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran, something we could never do. Anyway, the... Uh, um, where were we before we got off on this, uh, on, on this loony foreign policy idea, um, that, which, uh, which, which may well happen. Cause I don't know. I, I see, I don't know what MBS politically can live with, but he is not constrained by actual concern for the Palestinians. It's just whatever, uh, you know, he can sell whoever he thinks he needs to convince, uh, as, as being good for the Palestinians. Um, and it won't be right. Right. So um, I don't know. We, we it, go ahead. Yeah. We have the UAW strike. If you want to talk about that. Uh, yeah, a little. Um, quick. Well, I want to quickly have, say Ukra- we have yeah. Ukraine. We have Ukraine where there's a breakthrough with armored vehicles, Bob. That's what hadn't happened last week. It has happened right. now. 
Now, there are armored vehicles that have been spotted on the other side of the Suravikan line. So finally, you can say the line has in some meaningful sense been breached, I would say. Um, and, you know, they and I think they've made some advances, but it's it's still, you know, four yards in a cloud of dust there are accepted a bunch of, you know, people die. It's 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 both sides are taking huge casualties at, at that uh, particular place um, around Robotna. Uh, they're trying to. You know, the Ukrainians are trying to take this village called, I think, Verbova. Um, and it's just shaping up like it's going to be like all the other villages. You fight for weeks and weeks. And these are tiny. These are like pre-war population of like 90 people, right. okay? Tiny right. villages. You fight. I mean, more people die by a long shot uh, in the battle than ever lived in the village. And, oh, sure. and, well, that, and was, it, that was true of Gettys that was true of Gettysburg too. Well, yeah, but it's only true of famously bloody battles. It probably wasn't even true of Bakhmut. Bakhmut had a pre-war population of like 70,000. Um yeah, okay. The uh anyway, and it's you know, and and I mean that's the point is that if you thought breaching the line means oh, smooth sailing, Russian forces collapse, that's not happening. And uh, me, I don't think it's going to happen. Me, me, meanwhile, Ukraine's international support is diminishing rapidly. I mean, they, they now have a fight with Poland, one of its formerly staunchest allies. Mm. And Poland is threatening to cut off aid. Uh, Slovakia about to have an election and elect a guy who promises to cut off aid. Uh, and in the United States, Zelensky is, can't be happy with the reception he's getting uh, in Washington. And. And I blame, I think it's, you know, uh, when they impeached Trump the first time for, you know, strong arming Zelensky into, into investigating Biden, the Ukraine lobby was not upset when Trump did that strong arming that, that Biden was innocent. They were upset that it would, it would make it a partisan issue, okay? The Democrats would, would somehow react against what Zelensky did or something. And so they mm -hmm. impeached Trump, which definitely made it a partisan issue. I mean, how short-sighted was that of the, uh, you know, the, what what is it called? The consensus of the- The blob? Internet, uh, blob okay, the blob. It was incredibly short-sighted because it made Republicans hate Ukraine. Now they're paying the price. It was idiotic from Vindman's point of view, from the Ukraine's point of view, from all those That's people's point of view. That's an interesting point. It was I, incredibly I mean, I stupid, and, and Zelensky is not getting a warm reception from Republicans. Right. Although there wasn't much Republican resistance to supporting Ukraine, you know, early in the war, at least not. It wasn't very vocal. So no, it just grow. Yeah. It's, it, the seeds were there and it's growing. It's not uh, it's not it maybe it's not even be. a majority of the Republican caucus now, but it's involved in this latest budget stalemate. And they're going to have trouble putting through the, the full requests for aid. I guess that's true. Uh I don't know how much support is softening in in which European countries. There is a there is a dust up with Poland. That's kind of complicated. Um, but look, this is why I've been saying, you know, time. You never know what's going to happen in war, but time would seem to be on the side of the Russians. Uh, they don't, you know, they, they, their support is not nearly as precarious because, for one thing, they're making themselves building a ton of weapons and ammo. It's their industrial base. Ukraine doesn't have that. Uh, they are somewhat reliant on like North Korea, certainly China, but there's no signs of, you know, those are not vulnerable the way uh, and fragile the way Ukraine's reliance on the West is. I mean, you know, th that's the thing that kills me. It's like when you say, well, maybe the best thing for Ukraine right now is to cut a deal with Russia. People say, why do you hate Ukraine? Look, you just wait. We'll see what turns out to have been bad for Ukraine, okay? I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's it, you know. I assume once Zelensky is through this latest round of lobbying, that more establishment voices like uh, from the military, Millie-like voices will start pressuring him to cut a deal. Also, Democrats that don't want, to, you know, don't want the issue to be hot uh, during the election, right? Yeah, but see, you got to start working on it now because the politics in Ukraine are very much, I think, at the moment against a deal. Uh, 
There's also something weird starting to come to the surface about political tension between Zelensky and the guy, whatever his name is. I think it also starts with a Z, who runs the military, who is like running the war. Like apparently he wants to be president. Meanwhile, I read something about how he's being investigated for possibly being complicit in the uh, suspiciously uh, rapid surrender of the South to the Russians right after the invasion. Uh, I, I, I didn't have time to put all this together, and I don't know if people have, but uh, Ukrainian politics has got has got its own things going on that feeds into this in ways I don't yet comprehend. Huh. So it's not a corruption charge. It's a it's a disloyalty. Charge well, no, the defense minister, charge. the defense minister is different. This guy's the general running the war. Uh, Zaluzny or something. Uh, I, I, this is I should have the name. Sorry. Um, no, the defense minister already stepped down. And then the new defense minister fired all six deputy defense ministers. And apparently some of that was about corruption. Um, but uh, but this is this is different. This this, I think, may be about uh, political rivalry, partly. I don't know. But, you know, finally, just to put. I po- yeah. I didn't Menendez not get a piece of that. He probably did. All this all, all this money flowing. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, just a final connection between politics and military. What worries me is I think, I mean, re- I think Ukraine has taken a lot of casualties in in making the, the, the gains we've seen. So that first they could say two weeks ago, it was a breakthrough even when it wasn't. And now they can say, well, it is more of a breakthrough. Uh, I think they very much wanted something to show before, you know, by the time Zelensky got to Washington, and I think that may be responsible for how much uh, emphasis they're putting on this, but it's been... Well, also, um, also, the, also the strike on the headquarters of the Black Sea Fleet, oh, yeah, I thought well, was very much direct, directed you know, at Washington. This alarm is uh, telling us that before long we need to go, partly because of your okay. busy social schedule, but uh, yeah, well, Ukraine's doing, that's a whole, you know, we, we mentioned the... Uh, the attacks on the on the naval vessels last time. Now they hit the headquarters uh, in Sevastopol um, with a missile. Not that, that kind of thing, unless they happen to get lucky and hit somebody. You know, who matters isn't isn't that big a deal. But uh, it's symbolically important. No, they're they're the whole. You know, they're they're launching stuff at Crimea in general in a way that they hadn't over the last couple of weeks. By the way, Russia is reviving. It's infrastructure strikes, which had been in abeyance for months. And I, I, I guess maybe they're just uh, ramping up for another to inflict another horrible winter on Ukrainians. I don't know. Um, but. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, um, OK, um, so I, I didn't think you would think this breakthrough was a major breakthrough. No, I mean, uh, it, there is now armor on the other side. That that that's so technically right. But uh, but I've been saying all along, breakthrough. I don't think even that kind of breakthrough. I don't think is going to mean what people think it means on, on the battlefield. It's not nothing. But uh, I, I people think it's people think it's like D Day when you break through the lines and yeah, I don't think, think so. They're still taking the big losses. Yeah. I mean, both sides are taking big losses. But again, attrition is a game that in the long run you would expect Russia to win. Oh, by the way. Uh, a Rand, a Rand Corporation report came out yesterday, which I cover in today's non-zero newsletter. In fact, if you want to find the crispest summary of that report available anywhere, uh, you might check out the non-zero newsletter. But they they go into risks of escalation, and they did this study involving 15 analysts in these workshops and so on. And they uh, they they said there there is you know they said you know people have been kind of desensitized to risk because uh, escalation keeps not happening. But they laid out these various scenarios in which it could, you could either have horizontal escalation, that is, NATO gets involved, or that Russia could go nuclear. And one thing they said is, if Putin decides to go nuclear, it may not just be a single tactical strike to get people's attention. He may judge that he's going to take so much shit for breaking the nuclear taboo that he might as well go ahead and accomplish his battlefield aims uh, while he's doing it, which could mean which would uh, be multiple, what? Luke, multiple nukes, including big ones. They even mentioned the possibility Wait, of strategic he, he, nuclear uh, arms. I mean, yeah. that that means kill, killing everybody in Kiev. Eve, uh, I don't. I don't think their goal would be to maximize civilian casualties. 
uh, and it may be might be you know mainly military and infrastructure, but uh, it, it would be completely horrible, and it wouldn't be the end of it. It's not like we can just sit there and go, oh, okay, right. you know. Um, um. So that, and finally, this Senate dress code thing. Stop me if I was crazy, Mickey, but I just don't think it makes sense for the Democrats. Like, shouldn't the Democrat line be Republicans are the ones who destroy this decorum in our sacred institutions? You know, they're the ones who yell, you lie during the State of the Union. They're the ones who storm the Capitol. They're the ones who get, like, kicked out of theaters for vaping and groping and shit. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, um, I don't think, I don't see a big upside for the Democrats, uh, I, I was going to talk about the dress code in the parrot room. We'll talk okay, about it. Okay, we'll here. talk about the parrot room. Um, no, was that, it, 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 uh, America is a bunch of sloths. If you go around America, nobody dresses very well. I mean, I'm I'm like in the you look the yeah you look one percent you, you know yeah um, yeah. Uh, so um, and I'm not even wearing bathing a bathing suit underneath. I'm I'm on full body dress. Prove like it. Completely dressed. Prove it. Prove it. It's true, folks. He's not wearing a bathing don't ask, suit. Don't ask me. Don't ask me if I'm wearing shoes. But um, okay. Um, yeah, it's it's. Um, Mickey, we should make. Like the, yeah, it's like the first scene of Die Hard. I'm kneading my toes on the carpet. Does wonders for me. Public service announcement. Um, next week. Now, I think we should try to. So next week, it's my schedule that has us in deep, deep trouble. I'm in an actual conference. It makes taping hard. Um, so the final Parrot Room, the final public podcast and Parrot Room of this last few years of Bob and Mickey uh, miniseries will be the week after next, right? We're going to go into early, the first week of October um, and Parrot Room We'll explain how it works for parrot room people in the parrot room, but you have nothing to fear. Um, next week, I think it'd be great if we could try to cobble together a 30-minute public podcast. We, but if but if people don't see us, um, it doesn't mean you'll never see us again. And in any event, I should say, you know, podcasts will continue to show up on Friday. They will involve me. Uh, Mickey will be off pursuing his very important projects, more important than, than even me, apparently. And... Um, uh I, I have an eye operation next week, so that if, if if we don't show up next week, it'll probably be because of, uh, my eyes aren't up for doing all the reading. Plus, people should send uh, money because you are suffering, right? Because of the eye thing. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, this isn't really enough here. No. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, I, the problem is that also with the with the dress code, as long as we brought up, is that Fetterman makes it seem like a sign of decay because he's obviously in some psychological distress and he's acting out by showing up in, in his, you know, PJs or whatever his usual dress is, a, a hoodie and shorts. And, and it, so it, it, it sort of adds to the sense that, uh, you know, we have dress codes because they enforce a certain decorum and behavior. Right. And people are dressed like that. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, there's a certain, and he, in this case, the people are dressing sloppily, not because they're so brilliant, they can't be confined by conventionality, but because they're having a mental breakdown. You know, uh, it's, 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 it, 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 it makes exactly the message that you're sending. I, I, I don't know how much effect it has because so many voters are bad, you know, the, not many Americans wear a suit, uh, every day to work anymore. Well, that doesn't mean they don't want their senators to wear them. I mean, it's like, good, good you know, point. when you run, for, when you run for Congress, apparently your consultants tell you dress better than your constituents. Don't be ashamed to look good. Yeah. I mean, you know? I, ju I just think it's one of those things with zero political upside and a little downside. It's one of those little lines that Trump or whoever or any candidate on the Republican side can just like throw in, you know. And and I, I I don't I don't get it. And you're right about Fetterman. He's not doing himself a favor uh, by showing up, uh, you know, looking like he's walking along the beach. I mean, I, I know when I the days when I don't want to put on clothes are not the days of maximum mental health. 
Let me put it that way. They're like the days when I don't want to get out of bed. I admire you giving us that little window on your um, (laughs) mental health. We'll pursue that further in the parrot Uh, room. What else are we going to talk about? um, uh, Well, I have like a, I, 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 you know, I've been to the Marty's book party, so I now can speak freely about Marty's book uh, without worrying that I'm not going to get invited to the book party. It's actually, it's actually a good book, but there are things, there are things in it that I think are worth talking about. Okay. Uh, uh, there is, uh, we could talk about the UAW strike and the related issue of industrial policy. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, uh, we could talk about the, uh, Barry Weiss derangement syndrome, as my friend Make It Down puts it, where like people just seem to hate Barry Weiss. And, uh, I think she's building a great publication, but you may be one of these people who doesn't like Barry Weiss. Uh, and I they don't make, dislike they her a, personally. I, 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 uh, yeah, well, deplore save it for the what she stands for. Okay. No, well, I've written, okay. I mean, That's people good... should Google my Barry Weiss piece. It's, it's a, it's a fairly masterful takedown. I gotta, I gotta say. Okay. Uh, and, uh, uh, I don't have that much else after that. So I hope you, yeah, have... well, 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 uh, well, freelance. Uh, I want to talk about AI. Um, including uh, AI girlfriends slash sex bots. Um, that's irresistible. How can you resist sex bots? That's the thing about them, Mickey. And I think we should crowdfund uh, a sex bot for you. What do you think about that? As a final, just a final parrot room fundraising thing. You should crowdfund a, a parrot room substitute for me. That shouldn't be hard. Hmm, excellent idea. Just train train chat GTP only on writings from the Center on Immigration Studies, and you'll have half of me, right? <laughs> Actually, so, that would be uh, great. You know, we could, well, we'll talk about that. Okay, we got to go, because you got to go. You got another busy social night. Uh, um, uh, sort of, yeah. yeah. I'm on the East Coast, Bob, so things are later here. I understand that, which means you got to go sooner. The night isn't right. young where you are any more than it is here. Exactly. Exactly. The, the sunlight is fading, as you can see. Yes. Um, okay. We'll see um, folks in Parroom. Patreon.com slash Parroom. Uh, you better get it while it's, while it's here, folks. These are, these are um, the, collector's items. We should do an NFT. Room, the parrot may be working on a special song. There you go. Uh, never know. All right. See you there. Okay, see you there. Yes.